Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. Hello, uh, everyone. Thank you very much for uh, tuning in into this um, uh, episode. Uh, Today, I'm joined by uh, Mark Deering. Mark is the uh, director at uh, Mentors Inc. Uh, He's got a a vast experience in property over 18 years and uh, has uh, also been an executive member uh, of a local borough council committee. So he's got a lot to to share with us today. So um, we've got a a lot to cover. I've got some questions as well. So we'll just kick it off by uh, getting Mark to just give us a a bit of a background about himself, you know, what he was doing before, uh, his experience in property, and what is happening now and what the future holds. So if we pick it up from there, and then we can get into the technical detail of the content. So over to you, Mark. Okay, well, thank, thank you for inviting me on, Alex. I appreciate that. It's um, first first podcast I've ever done. Yeah, so, good. Uh, <clears throat> so let's go. So let me give you a little bit of information about myself. Yeah. Um, obviously, family man. Uh, kids are grown up and gone. Uh, I, I got into property, actually, in 2002. Uh, and I, I got into property because it's something I always wanted to do. Um, and I had suffered a brain hemorrhage and lost my job and, uh, you know, all sorts of health issues. Um, and it took me about a year to recover. And it, that gave me a chance to think about what I wanted to really do. And so hence getting into property. And then in 2003, uh, I then became a local councillor. So I was on the, uh, the borough, borough council. So I've been on Ketchum Borough Council since 2003. So we still keep keep electing me, keep putting me through. Um, it's a planning authority, so it gives me a huge amount of sort of insight into how authorities work, um, yeah. you know, what, how you can make use of them when you're doing properties. Um, and I've got an example I can give you later about how I got a property mm-hmm. on a council. Um, yeah. but, but in my time, uh, throughout the time, I have done lots of different strategies myself. <clears throat> so... I started off with mm-hmm. buying below market value properties and refurbishing, uh, and then yeah. I, had a, I had a plan actually to sort of flip one, to so sell one every year, which I would live off, uh, and then mm-hmm. build a portfolio slowly over twenty years, and that was the idea. Yeah. So that's what I. That's where I was. I built it up. I had. I've always had a firm belief in in being educated. So yeah. I. Um, and having that knowledge all the time. So I I went on my first, um, if you like, property education course, uh, which would have been 2005, six. The company doesn't exist anymore. Um, <clears throat> I went on to a property investment network and did their first one in 2007. I then did the graduates one, and I worked through and did that every year until 2018, and mm-hmm. they finished. 2018, and I went into Dan Hill's uh, Property Entrepreneurs, which was 2018-19, and then I went into Progressive. So every year, I'm getting educated on property, on business, 
out of a business, etc. I do that every year, um, and I also uh, have my own mentor that mentor mentors me uh, on occasion as well. So yeah, yeah. Wow. So that's uh, quite a, a breadth of experience, isn't it, in, in, in property? So I've been uh, obviously following up, uh, um, you know, your your posts and uh, all the uh, content that you've been putting up over the last six weeks since we've yeah. been in, uh, in in lockdown. So there's quite a, a a lot of content and a lot of useful material. So I just wanted to capture a lot of that here. So to, to begin with your uh, recent post where you sort of uh, clarified the differences between uh, you know coaching and mentoring and courses and the advantages around that. So um, are you able to just uh, give us uh, an overview on those three to, to begin with, yeah? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, by all means. So um, coaching and mentoring, I actually started doing this in 2010, so I've been doing it for 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, and there is a big difference. So uh, and I, I think a lot of people think it's all very expensive. But basically, coaching is all about um, it's all about questioning people, really. So it's pulling out those. Um, get, you've got the answers most of the time in your head and you've got the knowledge, but you don't realize you've got it. So it's not a case of directing people when you're coaching. It's a ba basically a case of asking them. You know, if they've got issues, why? You know, what's their issue? Why do they think that's happened? Um, what do they think they could do about it? Who do they know that they could actually go and approach to, to resolve that issue? Where could they go and get the knowledge? It's kind of a lot more questioning and more in-depth, but it really works in supporting people. And what I find when I'm coaching people is that they have a very specific thing they're looking to do. So that we set that right at the beginning. So at the end of every coaching call, I ask them to give me three things that they're going to do that will progress mm -hmm. their property forward, their property business forward for the next call. And then mm -hmm. of course, you get your next call. Um, the first things I cover on the call are what are the three things that we discussed? Have you done those three things you said you would do? Hmm. Uh, obviously, if they haven't, then we go into a why not. Um, yeah. what, what's held you back? You know, you might have, there, there might be procrastination. It might just be family issues. But it's it's teasing that out of them and hmm. helping them move forward again during that call. And again, it's right. What are the next three things we're going to do? So really, coping is all about holding people to account and making sure they move forward. That's yeah. Coaching is. Now, mentoring is very different. So mentoring is very much a case of a one-to-one, -one, and people assume that mentoring is all standard. We're all, anyone that says they're a mentor, for want of a better word, you know, is a guru, of course, and I think that's not really true. I'm sure there are gurus out there that think that they're the world's business, but mentors don't know everything. And mentoring, for me, mentoring is all about finding out what the problem is, what's the challenge, what's their issue, uh, mm -hmm. and then helping them and guiding them to where they need to be. So yeah. for me, it's very directive when I mentor with people. If people say, you know, depending on how they're putting it, if they're not getting somewhere, um, then or they're stuck on something, I'm not an expert on everything. And if they, yeah. I've had someone recently wrote about how we're going to finance a particular project, and I, you know, I know roughly, if you like, I know the the answer, but 
I'm not an expert, so I'll say, well, what we ought to do is this. However, here's somebody mm-hmm. who will be able to tell you. He's a or she is a uh, an independent financial advisor. I've got it, and I always say, if it's in the phone, yeah. I recommend them. If it's not in the phone, I'm not recommending them. So mm-hmm. again, a lot of mentors have that capability. If you're asking mm-hmm. for recommendations on um, social media, uh, mm-hmm. as a, who do you recommend on social media? Then, as a mentor, I should be able to say, you know, I've got this person that's been really good. Give yeah. that now. They may not be good for you. You may not. You might have that clash of personality. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. The point is that mentors are there to understand where you are and how, and where you want to go. So when you're mentoring, yeah. where are you going? You know, what is the end result for you? Yeah. Uh, so it will involve questioning, but it'll also involve direct action and telling them, you know, don't don't do it that way. Have you not thought about doing it this way? Yeah. You know, you'll probably get a better result from that. So it's coming from experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not uh, – I don't do uh, service accommodation. I know how service accommodation works. I'm happy to talk through service accommodation. I'm happy to give them contacts I've got, but I do make it very clear at the beginning, if they're wanting anything like that, sort of mentoring on that, I haven't done it. And I think that this is – there is a huge problem here with people that say they're mentors that that persuade you that they can do anything for you and they haven't got that experience and they can't. They can't, yeah. And they charge a lot of money for that. Mm. Uh, courses you wanted to know didn't you yes and courses as well so yeah so courses um you can get really any information you want you can get online for free um you can probably get it for free by going to to networking events that are either free or cost you 10 or 20 pounds to go for the night when we all get back out there um but but actually networking is incredibly important Um, but courses have to you have to you need the knowledge. The reason I've done courses every year for 18 years is to keep on top of everything because things change. You know, mm. we're all about purchase lease options now. But yeah. if you went back two years ago, for, for probably six or seven years before that, nobody nobody talked about it, nobody bothered. But if mm. you go back 12 years ago, people were doing it. So these things come back. So that's yeah. what we need. You need to be on top of it. Um, there are Facebook groups you should join. Uh, there are, there's LinkedIn to make use of LinkedIn. There are LinkedIn groups. You, know, you need to be. You need that knowledge. So courses are important, um, and you know I think people need to set aside some money, but make sure they get the right course. The right course, yeah. Uh, that uh, that definitely makes sense. So just a, a quick one, going back to uh, coaching and, and mentoring. I guess the. The key on that is that the action and the steps that need to be taken are done by the mentee. It's not uh, so much like uh, you're hand-holding them and doing the work for them. I know. No, you're absolutely right, Alex. It's not, a mentor's not, it's not a mentor's job to do it for you. It's a mentor's yeah. job to push you forward in the right direction for you to achieve what you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't achieve it, it's because you are not doing it and it's yeah. really as simple as that. If, if someone says to you, um, if you do what I tell you to do, you will achieve this, then yeah. do what they tell you to do. Mm. If you yeah. don't do what they tell you to do and you don't achieve it, you've got no right to start standing on your soapbox and shouting. 
Coming on to our strategy now, uh, yeah. uh, especially in, in, in property, obviously there's uh, quite a few strategies that uh, people can uh, uh, deploy in in, uh, in property. So just uh, give us a sort of an overview of uh, what strategy is uh, as far as uh, property is concerned and also the different uh, ones available in property that people can do. Okay. Get into the controversial <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a it's a controversial word is strategy. Um, yeah. You know, I think everyone has a different view, and I'm sure anyone that's listening to this is going to say he's not right on that because we all have a different view. Um, yeah. But a strategy is, for me, a strategy is something like a HMO, which is a house of multiple occupancy. That is a strategy. Yeah. I'm going to go and get that property, and I'm mm. doing. HMOs. So yeah. my strategy is HMOs, as a for instance. Mm -hmm. um, uh, now, how you do that is a different thing. So there are lots of different strategies out there. There are, so I can name some, there are things like planning gain. Mm -hmm. and people perhaps don't know a lot about that, but there's planning gain, uh, the service accommodation or holiday lets, uh, there is HMOs. You can know I'm avoiding rent to rent because that's mm -hmm. the way of actually getting the property, it's not actually a strategy. That's my mm -hmm. opinion. Um, but, and the same goes for, as we talked before, purchase lease option. A purchase yeah. option is a way of acquiring a property. If mm -hmm. a purchase lease option was a strategy, then if I buy a property, it, what's my strategy? Yeah, you see. What I mean? This is how yeah. you that's my yeah. view. You look at it and think, well, I'm doing rent to rent. Well, that's what you mean is you're acquiring a property through renting it, is what you mean. But you're yeah. not going to sublet that property and rent out the rooms, which is a house of multiple occupancy. Now, that is your strategy. Yeah. So people need to be, I think, a lot more clearer on what actually a strategy is. Mm. Um, as I said, you know, there is. Within the property world, there's lots of different ones. I mean, you know, I think earlier this morning when people mentioned about I'm a deal sourcer, and that yeah. may well be your strategy might be deal sourcing. Your strategy might be deal packaging, which is, is a different entity, you know, sourcing property, sourcing it, handing it you, and it's done. Mm. Uh, but deal packaging is sourcing it, doing the work, maybe letting it out for you and looking after it at the same time. It's a complete package. So... You know, there are all these different sort of strategies people can do. Um, yeah. if, that, if that sort of helps, I'm sure there's a lot more, but that's that my take on a strategy. Um, mm -hmm. And then I guess that you could look at strategies also from a planning perspective in respect yeah. of what's your plan, what do you want to do? So mm -hmm. if, it, if it helps people, my strategy, um, which I would term as a plan, was to do very, very specific when I started in, in this business was to buy two and three bed properties only, mm -hmm. all, all no, no off plan, no new build at the time. So yeah. two or three bed properties uh, let out to young people or small families. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, to buy two or three a year, sell one to live off, keep two for the portfolio. That was my strategy. Hmm. So, as you can see, there are, yeah, they're buy to lets. Yeah. Um, you know, as time has gone on, I've done lots of different things. I've done planning gain as a strategy. 
So I've gone out and done that. I've done uh, freehold to leasehold. I've bought a grade two listed building in joint venture partnership. Uh, I uh, We title split the flats that were there because it was a single freehold. We title split the land uh, and we sold bits off. Um, yeah. You know, I, as I say, planning gain was a piece of land that, that was a, was part of a house I bought. Title split the land off, got planning permission for a three-bed detached house and then sold it with the planning permission. So, you know, there's lots of different – and that's very little money used on doing that. I, I bet that didn't cost me more than three or four thousand pounds, and I sold the land for fifty-five thousand. Wow, that's uh, that's that's so really good. Yeah, there are some really good strategies out there if you haven't got the money, but you've got the time. The time, yeah. I I, I guess that's uh, probably one of the key issues as well when people are getting into properties about the money, the money, because some of these strategies, like you've described on the buy to let, for example if it's not something that you're going to add value and extract it in some other way like refinancing to take that money in order that you can build a portfolio then your plan could just end up being you've got maybe three four buy to lets and then you're done at that particular point so you're, yeah you're right you, you tend to you're going to run if you don't do if you don't get the knowledge and do it properly you have yeah. money most yeah. people's view uh, when they when they do anything properly, is well, I've got a hundred thousand pounds in the bank, and yeah. now that can get me get me a house, and I'll do that up, and then I'll I'll I mean a lot of them don't even remortgage out and don't understand that. But if you remortgage yeah. out and get some money back, you go on mm. to your next property, and so it's very yeah. slow and cumbersome because mm. it could be you could end up only getting one or two properties a year doing that. And as you yeah. say, if you you will run out of money, everybody will run out of money eventually. So. Yeah. So then you've got to change your plan and your strategies. And yeah. That's when we get to the point of borrowing money from other people. Um, and mm. you are, you're absolutely right that a lot of people that are new to property go on these courses and get told about the, the here's this all no money down stuff. But, you know, yeah. it's not strictly true, is it? What, what does no money down mean to people? Now, a lot of people mm. that are new to it just think, I don't have to spend any money. But actually... Mm. If you're going to get a property, and let's let's take it as a good example of something like a purchase lease option, where yeah. everyone says you don't really need any money. So you could mm. say, well, that purchase lease option is a no money down deal. No, it's not, because you mm. still have to pay for solicitors. You still have to pay for surveys. Yeah, there, are, there are things that you still have to pay for. So it's never truly no money down. Mm. Now, if you took it to the next stage, you could very easily say that you borrow money off everybody else, so you don't use any of your money. Yeah. You buy a property or you, you get a mortgage, you do a property, You, as you've said, you do it up, you add the value, <clears throat> you remortgage it, mm-hmm. and you pull all the money out, and you're yeah. able to pay everybody back, and that means that you, you have got none of your money in. Yeah. And... Uh, you don't owe anybody. So that is a no money down deal for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And obviously there's various 
you know, amongst the strategies that you've mentioned, there's various ways that you can actually do that. Even with the uh, planning gains that you you've mentioned as well, you know, you yeah. can put in an investment, especially if it's a, a, a big development, for example. I think we'll probably go, uh, go into that later on. Yeah. You, you can find that uh, you, you can spend a lot of money around planning, the architects and everything, oh, else, yeah. a lot of yeah. money. But then at the back end, you can actually get uh, get that all back, you know. Uh, yeah. depending on what you get to do. Uh, so if we just uh, move on, uh, yeah. maybe just uh, quickly on here around uh, uh, the controversial strategies. I think, I think uh, they, they are pretty much the uh, rent to rent and the purchase lease, lease options. Is that right? Yeah, and, and, and you went uh, Yeah, so uh, why do you classify these or think these as controversial strategies? <laughs> Well, I, I call them controversial purely because there are people out there and they'll, they'll be listening now saying, I've got it wrong. Well, you know, no one's perfect in the world and no guru or mentor or, uh, you know, person that runs a course knows everything. The yeah. point is, for me, it, why is a rent-to-rent -rent a strategy? You know, mm. now... now for me, a rent-to-rent -rent is not what I call a strategy. Um, it's a way of acquiring a property. Mm -hmm. and that, so people say, no, I'm wrong, and I will say, no, you're wrong, because <laughs> the strategy with a rent-to-rent -rent is that you're paying a single let price and you're yeah. renting all the rooms out as a house of multiple occupancy and you're making the difference between your costings, so your rent and all your bills, and what you actually charge all the other tenants. That's yeah. where the profit comes in. But the mm. point is, you know, what is the strategy? The strategy is a house of multiple occupancy. occupancy. What are you doing? You're doing a house of multiple occupancy. Mm. You happen to be acquiring um, that property by renting it off a landlord rather than buying it. Hmm. So I guess that's similar to purchase lease options, yeah? Yeah, same, same thing, way. purchase lease yeah. option. Right, so purchase lease option is a way of acquiring the property. Hmm. The only difference, <clears throat> if I might say, is that sometimes with purchase lease options, it's not about agreeing with the vendor, um, you know, a market value. It's not like saying, um, you know, well, the rent on this is £800, I'll pay you £800. You know, mm. circumstances when you're talking purchase lease options, circumstances are often very different. And mm. you might find that the, that the landlord's an accidental landlord. They just don't want the hassle. They don't want the property anymore. They just want out of it. Yeah. If you do a purchase lease option, you, you may easily be able to say to them, I'll give you, you know, I'll give you a lump sum now. So I'll give you £5,000 now mm. uh, and take it and take the purchase lease option. And you're not paying them anything. You know, or you yeah. might say, I'll give you uh, £500. I'll cover your mortgage and give you £100, whatever profit. You know, so you're making yeah. over it or something. But it's a purchase lease option that is a legal document that, that basically gives you, um, as the, the, that person, the opportunity to buy the property in a set period at yeah. a price that you have agreed. Yeah. Now... So here's the, here's the point. Not that you should be doing this deliberately, but the, the wording there is it gives you the opportunity to purchase at the agreed price. Right. 
price. It doesn't mean that you are going to buy it at the agreed price. Hmm. Okay. So okay. there's little, little subtle things here. Um, yeah. Doesn't mean that you're going to be clever and mean with the person, you know, because if you think about it, if you do a five year uh, purchase lease option or a 10 year purchase lease option, um, mm -hmm. prices can be very different. Yeah. So, you know, what you've got to say to yourself, you will find a vendor will say to you, well, hang on a second, what if it's worth £50,000 more than we've agreed on a value? And mm. this is where really you have to be open and honest with yourselves. And, and I think, you know, I think integrity is very important. Important, yeah. Very important. Yeah. And you have, you have to agree with them. So it mm. could be a case of we agree that price, but if if it is whatever it is above that price, I will pay you an extra 50%. Mm. So I, I guess at the advanced end of that, is, is that something that you – can sell on to someone else and just take the difference, or would that be something that you have to put in in the in the contract? Well, you can put it into a contract, but you can actually get what's known as an assignable purchase lease option contract, which gives yeah. you the opportunity to sell it on to someone else at, at any time in that that period you've got. Yeah, okay. You sell it on. Yeah, good, good, good. Okay, now. Going on to uh, due diligence, what are your uh, top tips on uh, doing due diligence on whatever strategy that people are doing? Okay, so so due diligence is probably the most important thing that you need to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I mentor, I coach, I teach a lot of people who just don't do due diligence properly. It's very much a case of, from, from their point of view, is, well, you know, is the house really worth what, what they're saying it's worth? Um, and some people will do, what. well, what's the, you know, what's the sort of demand for tenant tenant demand, et cetera. But due diligence is, and, you know, and obviously facts and figures, so does it work for them figure-wise? Mm. Uh, and often that's kind of how far people will go. But due diligence is it's far more, I want to say, complicated. I, I mm. try to teach people to make it, to systemize it and make it easy. Because, mm. you know, the more you know, so if you, for instance, if you wanted to find something to sell to somebody else, then yeah. you're doing proper due diligence. Now, proper due mm -hmm. diligence, let's say I want to tell you something here in Kettering. You don't know Kettering. So really, mm. part of my due diligence should be to tell you about uh, any uh, local development plans, uh, any yeah. government plans to increase the area, um, what uh, you know, what the transport plans are, what sort, how does transport work, uh, who works here, so what big employers have I got, mm -hmm. uh, all these things, yeah, and more. These are all really important parts to know. You want to get to a stage where you absolutely understand the area. So, again, if you're deal sourcing and packaging and that, you should be able to answer all these questions. You should be able to know what the mm -hmm. rental income is for that yeah. three-bed property in that area, bearing in mind that the rental income changes depending on where it is in that area. So in the area, yeah. You could take Kettering, split it as a piece of cake into quarters, and I could tell you the bottom right-hand quarter is very expensive houses and command a better rent than the top left-hand. Mm. Oh. And that's the knowledge you need. 
you need. So I mean, can uh, due diligence be outsourced, or that does that defeat uh, the object? Yeah, you know, you can outsource quite a bit of it. I wouldn't say you, I wouldn't say you want to outsource all of it, because yeah. otherwise you don't have the knowledge. Mm, so, yeah. so you know, there are there are sort of you can outsource sort of systemization of it, the sort of mm. general general somebody searching right move and finding the, the, the type of property you're looking for, all that kind of thing. You can't really – you could outsource um, viewings. All that could be done. Um, yeah. But I think the question to anybody doing it is, would you be comfortable? Yeah, cool. Um, so probably uh, in, in on, on this topic probably brings us to uh, just a, an area to touch on as well, like you know, how would someone choose get to choose their Goldman area, like which area to invest? What would be the key things that they should be looking out for? Okay, well, a, a gold mine area is um, well. What's the best words? Uh, I don't want to keep using strategic, but you've got to have a strategy of what you actually want to achieve to find mm. the to find that gold mine area. So when you've looked at an area. Um, you know, you want the how do you define it as a gold mine area is demand for mm -hmm. what you're looking for. So if you were looking to do flats and that, there's no point looking in an area where there aren't any damn flats. Yeah. You know, all, I know that sounds absolutely stupid, but I can give you an absolutely prime example of somebody I mentioned years and years and years ago. When I sat down with him, he was doing a gold money is trying to find if this area was good for what he was doing and when mm. i asked him this is how easy it is what type of tenant do you want well really i prefer students and i actually said i looked at the map and i said show me the university in this town genuinely mm -hmm. and the guy looked and i looked and he said there isn't one i said right <laughs> why <laughs> why are you trying to find out all about an area for a tenant there is no demand for oh, yeah so whatever your strategy is if you want a gold mine area you have to do the due diligence on the type of tenant the demand that's going to be there where it'll come from you know and then going into depth of, of your due diligence of uh, house prices you know if mm. you yeah and you're going to what you're going to do is you're going to niche it you're going to make yeah. the a niche area for you. you know, so you understand what you're doing. So there's a guy down in London that I coached years ago, um, and he, he can now stand at a block of flats in London, Greenwich area, mm -hmm. and he can say he knows their ex-council flats, and he can say, I can get that one. Um, it, it's a two-bed, and I can turn it into a three-bed flat. Mm. And he and he knew exactly. He niched it down to an area where he had a lot of those type of flats. Flats, yeah. No difference if you're niching up north or wherever. If you're looking specifically for, um, I want. So if your strategy is a good one for you, if your strategy mm -hmm. is to take a, a freehold property and turn it into three flats, you're mm -hmm. probably looking for a three-storey building. Yeah. So find an area that, and you're going to do your research to make it to make sure it's a gold mine area your research is going to involve is there a demand what type of demand is it for flats is it one beds two beds what is it and mm -hmm. are there sufficient houses there for you to actually make that your core area to do yeah okay and uh, within uh, our property investing what, what's the role of investors for example 
uh, to invest. <laughs> I, I, I guess in the in the context of uh, probably joint ventures or doing something with the, with investors, if that is, I mean, would you take that as someone's strategy? If uh, all they are doing is maybe packaging deals and looking for people to invest in those deals or do a joint venture with them? Uh, well, okay, so. Um, the strategy probably is again is what is the end result? What are they looking to do? Mm. So if you're looking for a if you're looking for an investor, um, it depends what you want from the investor. So if you're looking for an investor that's got money to invest in you, um, mm. I would highly recommend you just don't go to people and say I've got this deal. Um, I'm looking for someone who's got X thousand of pounds and I'm prepared to give them X percent. You just don't do it. What you mm. have to do is you have to talk to people, get that rapport, get to know them and say, I've got this deal. If you know somebody, somebody. In, 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 I'm looking, I'll be, I will be looking for, let's say, £100,000. If you know somebody who would be interested in, in joint, doing a joint venture or something on this deal that has that sort of money, um, would you please put my name, give my name to them? Now, more often than not, the person themselves will do it for you, but what they'll do is they won't necessarily tell you straight away. They'll go off and maybe you'll get a call the next day or yeah. they'll see you and they'll say, look, I've been looking at this deal and I'd be interested in loaning you the 100000 Now, Now you've got to ask them what they want because if you said, yeah. well, how much do you want, how much interest do you want, they may not want that. They might be an investor that actually is new, has the money, but wants to learn from you. Yeah. So, you know, so lots of different ways of looking at what an investor does. You mm. know, not all investors have lots of money. That you, If you think about it from a joint venture point of view, you want somebody that's opposite to you. Yeah. So, you know, what do you do? I do uh, – I'm a mechanic on the talent dynamics. I do due diligence. I do systemization. I make life simpler. I make things simpler. Um, I research – um, I'm quite happy to be in my office here and just do it all day. Right? Mm. But but then, you know, someone asked me, I think this morning, about I'd have a rent-to-rent business. It's a joint venture. Now, in my case, I don't deal with any of it except put the money in. Mm. So I put the money into the uh, business and the other person does all the work. All so the work, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm doing good. commercial right now as a joint venture. And mm. that commercial right now is a joint venture. Uh, yeah. That is uh, the difference. Is I've done all the research. I know what all the demand is for what the type of tenant is we want. I know where we want to be in relation to the city centre. You know yeah. all that. We found the building, but Steve's part is the negotiation. He is brilliant at talking to people. You know, yeah, it's the opposite to me on the on the talent dynamics. He's a supporter. So he's mm. very – he's not detailed. If I gave him a contract, he wouldn't want to read it. Mm. Oh, so, I see. So you should be joint venturing, really, with people that can do what you're not good at doing. Yeah. And vice versa. And that you've, you've also got the same, um, the same outcome. You want to do the same strategy. I mm. want to commercial officers. Steve has one lot of commercial officers in Leicester. I knew that because I've mentioned him years ago. So we got together. I approached him, and we've ended up doing a joint venture on this. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's where you look at uh, where you create values, and so yeah. you're complementing each other's strength, you know, 
the areas that you are more. You yeah. can do more, Alex, as well. If you, you know, I don't have to just do Vax. He's doing half the job for me. I can mm. be doing something else with somebody else as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's all part of leveraging, isn't it? You're yeah, leveraging your time and your money as well. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. Okay, so uh, we had a question from Felix, Felix Joseph, right. uh, just on uh, tips on uh, how you can work with investors. What would be your top tips to working with investors? Okay, okay. so I think top tips is um, you've got to build a rapport with them. So you've got to get on, so you've got to get to know them. Um, mm. and, and a lot of that comes from your networking and questioning. So you really want to be able to say, is to ask them where what are they doing in property? You know, you've got to ask them. Don't mm -hmm. talk about yourself. Tell, ask them, find out what they're doing, what they're looking for. You're building a rapport through through that networking. Have a coffee with them, etc. Um, they're they're kind of the yeah. There's loads of different ways you can look at it, but in essence, that's how you're going to find your investor. Does the investor like you? Does the mm -hmm. investor like the sort of deals and things you've got? Um, and, and it's from there, from building up that rapport is when you get that offer. You know, that's when mm -hmm. people either say, I'd love to work with you or mm -hmm. um, I'd love to invest with you. You know, and I think that, that you, you're far better to do something like that as a one-off with somebody. Yeah. Um, works and you're happy, you can move on to doing more together. More together, yeah. But I guess that's probably something you have to build up over time. Yeah, it's not like you can just go into a networking meeting and you know someday you've you've got funds on the table. So you have to build it up. It's building up the and actually um, doing this, being online. Yeah. All the social media stuff, just getting out there and letting people know, just yeah. checking what you do. Um, mm -hmm. by, there'll be people out there think, oh, I really like him, he's, he's honest, he's, he's got integrity, you know, mm -hmm. and they'll get to know more about you. Yeah. And they'll research you and then eventually you, you might get your sort of conversation yeah. with them. Yeah, and, and uh, the other side obviously is also the back end of that because people will get to know you from somebody that they know or from somebody that they know. <laughs> so there's that uh, trickle down as well. Yeah, well, it's your recommendations, isn't it? It's, it's this thing. Yeah. Yeah, I've got him, yeah, I've worked with this guy. Or I know him. I've dealt with him before. Give him mm. a ring. Yeah. So uh, I guess that's all feeds into your your networking. Are there any uh, particular places or areas that you would recommend uh, people to get their networking going? Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> I think we're we're in difficult times right now because we can't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would say right now. And there are a couple of things you can be doing because we're all in lockdown. Yeah. Uh, there, there is a lot more people doing video stuff online. So, yeah. you know, and there are a lot more webinars out there being done. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and there's a lot more lives and stuff being done. And, you know, that's been a natural progression because we're all locked in. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would say that you need to decide where you are on the property ladder where you want to go, what your strategy is, and then look at things like Facebook groups. Don't join 50 Facebook groups. Just join a couple that, that suits, you know, join a couple of groups that fit what you're looking for. So if you yeah. were doing deal packaging, et cetera, you would join two or three deal packaging groups or groups. sourcing groups. But yeah. have a, my, my advice is go, and, go on to them, 
have a look at them and look at what other people are posting. And is yeah. that relevant to what you want to do? To do, yeah. Now, if that, so I looked at one the other day, um, and I, I thought, and start to look at a couple of posts, and suddenly realized that some of these posts, like the first one was like six weeks old. <laughs> and then the next one was, and I thought, so there isn't anything like on a daily basis. So if people are posting on a daily basis, do you yeah. really remember on it? You know, you want to be on something that people are posting on. So definitely your networking can be done by joining some of these groups. And there are mm. groups on LinkedIn as well. Yeah. So Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, mm. I mean, there are other social media groups out there, of course. But yeah. they're the ones. And then are there any local groups that you could go on from, from this point of view? Now, when we get back out and we're able to go and do our networking, um, you keep, should be keeping on with those groups. So you're going to have to allocate a bit of time every day to go on to them. But then mm -hmm. go out and start doing the networking, and there are lots of different places you can go. You know, there, obviously, yeah. there, are, there are plenty of property meetings, um, yeah. and I think it's time. If I'm honest, Alex, it's down to your time. If you're a family person and you've got mm -hmm. kids at home and that, you probably haven't got time to be going out every night. Um, yeah. I, uh, for me, if it, if it helps, sort of it helps anybody. Uh, I tend to network in the area that I'm dealing with. So at the moment, I'm tending to go over to Cambridge every month and do a couple of networking meetings in Cambridge. I also do one in uh, in rugby because that's important for the people I meet, uh, and one over in uh, Stratford-upon-Avon. Yeah. So you know you can go to different ones, but you can't go to. It's no point trying to go to loads and loads. And the other, yeah. the other advice is go every time. Don't miss a month, hmm. right? Because yeah. if, you're, if you're not going all the time, you're never going to get to know the people, and they're not yeah. going to know you. To know you. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, a, that's a great tip. Now, um, developments. Yes. Um, yes. What's your take on uh, development? Um, okay. What's well, so, uh, so developments is a wide – you've got a, a, a wide list here, aren't you? What, what is a development? Mm. Um, I think it, there are all sorts of ty – all types of development. I think the important thing is if you were doing development, what would you want to do? Yeah. I think if you were planning to develop out, as in getting planning and then building, uh, that is development, and you may be doing a build to rent or a build to sell. Mm. Um, I would say for a lot of us, and I include myself on this, you do not want to be trying to develop a uh, 15 or 20 house development site. You want to just be looking, and this is where you get strategic and clever mm -hmm. with it, start looking at those small developments where they're, they're, there's the opportunity to develop that one property, that mm -hmm. one house on the side of, you know, on a piece of land or those two or three properties on a little cul-de-sac, you know, on a little bit. There was one round the corner from me that I didn't get, but I wanted to, which was a chalet bungalow on the corner of a, of a crossroads, kind of crossroads, big back garden. Um, the guy that got it, uh, title split the back garden and built two bungalows and one three-bed house. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you wow. could do that kind of development or – Again, you've got developing is a specialist thing. You might want to tread carefully and think, well, I can get planning, mm -hmm. get the planning, and sell the planning. Yeah. You know, you've got to ask yourself, do you need the money now? 
or do you need the money in two two years' time or 18 months' time? Because mm -hmm. development is not done. You know, if you want to build a house, you can probably build it out, I don't know, six or seven or eight months maybe. But, you know, if you're, buy, if you're building to sell, it might be a 12-month project. Yeah. yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so I guess it all fits into, uh, like uh, you've mentioned before, what is your plan? What is your yeah. grand plan in terms of yeah. <clears throat> what you're looking to do? And uh, I, I guess how best you want to deploy your funds as well, if that is what you're, you're using. So, yes. um, okay, just a, a quick um, take through on the, the buying process. Okay. Uh, for, for those who are, are relatively new or looking to get into uh, property, what will be your, um, just take us through the buying process. Okay, so so part of the buying process, I, I put this together actually. It's it's really it is a step by step process. It just is a simple thing of of um, what you need to do when you're looking mm -hmm. to buy a property. So for instance, it has a, it has a select order to it. But, but for instance, um, you'd obviously obviously when you've made your strategy and decided, you'd be looking for a particular property. You'd be looking for properties. You would have to have um, a, a decision in principle unless you've got all cash. So you would need to find an IFA to do a decision in principle. You're looking at properties. You're doing your research. You're doing um, uh, you're doing the viewings, and then obviously you're doing the fig figures and making an offer. And then it, what comes after that? And what you're planning to do? So. If you were purchasing it to refurbish it, as a for instance, then you then need a team of people. So you think about when you've done your viewing, and good thing is I have a template. The good thing is to take a template with you mm -hmm. and go in every room and write it down. Yeah. So just just make a basic. You know, you're going to go even if all you do is on, on an Excel sheet, you have bedroom one, bedroom two, bedroom three, bedroom four. Just a simple template. Where you can go in and write, you know, that it needs a new carpet, needs a new window, you know, and you're writing it all down so that you can put a, a price to it. Yeah. You can get that priced up accordingly and make your offer based yeah. on knowing roughly what you're now going to have to spend. I'm a firm believer with the, with this is that you overcost and you undervalue. If you yeah. can overcost and undervalue and it works for you, there should be no reason why you're not going ahead with this. Yeah. Uh, but the, that's the, the process is, is that, you know, it's like step-by-step -step process. Um, when you, you know, when you, you've got to get your team of people together. So mm -hmm. who is the team? You know, you yeah. have a solicitor ready. Who's your solicitor? Um, yeah. You know, if you were looking at tax stuff or anything like that, do you have somebody ready to advise on that? So it's, it's, ba it's a basics of understanding everything you need to do to make sure mm -hmm. You you buy that or acquire that property um, yeah. in the quickest and shortest time because time is money. Is money, yeah. In the quickest and shortest, if you're borrowing money and paying monthly interest, so yeah. you're doing it in the quickest and shortest time, mm. and you've got that. Yeah, it's a bit like walking up your stairs. Um, I I can't possibly start on the fifth run. Mm. Um, not that long, you know. I have yeah. to start number one. And then number two, and then number three, and that's what the process is all about. It's where you're starting right at the beginning, and where you end up getting the keys given to you for the property. For the property, okay. Now oh, that's uh, uh, quite good. Now um, another 
area that I've, I, I think you've, you've posted on this as well, and I think we've got a, a someone just uh, uh, inquiring about, uh, I think you, you wrote about how to get your email box to zero and keep oh. it there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's that all about? So, okay, yeah, great. So, uh, I, okay, so, you know, getting your emails, you have to allocate time every day. People don't do it, and you, as, as you would know, and I'm sure anyone who listens to this is going to go, yeah, no, no. <laughs> you know, you look at your inbox and like 100, 200, 300. One guy told me he got 4,500 emails in his inbox. Yeah. <laughs> well, the idea really is uh, in, in sort of simple terms for everybody, is go through your email. If you've got a lot, you're going to have to start dumping. Now, somebody said to me laughingly, well, just press delete on all of them. Yeah. <laughs> you, you could do that, but then you're starting afresh, and that's great. But you really want to just create three or four email boxes, basically, like boxes. So it's just a file. It's a folder. And just yeah. move them accordingly. So you've got to think about when you, when you look at an email – um, and again, it's slightly different depending on, on everyone's circumstances. But if you're looking at email um, and it's something from somebody in, in an office and you've got to answer it, is it important or not? Yeah. If it's not, if you don't want answering today, you put it in, in one box. If, mm -hmm. it, if it needs to be answered now, you might still have a second box, but that's emails to be answered today, if you like. You might have an email waiting box, so that, that's where you're waiting, you've answered, and you're waiting for a reply to that email. Um, and the reason you put it into, into you only need about four. The reason that you want to do that is once you've sorted it out, every day then, when you get your emails, even if you've got 30 emails there, it's very quick for you mm. to delete, delete. I haven't got time to read it. That goes into the read later box. Mm. I opened it up, um, I, and that needs answering uh, later today. I put it in box two. I've opened it up, mm. and needs to answer now. It's urgent, right? I just answer it. Mm. Next one, don't need that. Delete it, and so you just go through it very quickly. And it means yeah. that actually your email box is nearly always at zero that way, and all you've got is like four four folders uh, with various um, emails in them that you can, yeah. you can search for, by the way, because that's the other thing people forget. You can search that, that box for the name of the person or the name yeah. of the company, so it's very quick to find stuff. And it just means that you ha you're not looking at a screen full of emails there trying to find <laughs> them. Yeah, you can just do a quick search. Okay. Let it work initially. Set up sort of profile. You might have subfolders, but don't go mad. Don't, yeah. don't have a subfolder for Mark Deering and a subfolder for... You know, and a subfolder for Alex and a subfolder for David, and you know, just yeah. you know, categorize them as, as, if you like, as important, not so important. Um, mm. You know, and just do that. Just have sort of four of them, and if yeah. you have a couple of subfolders, but that's it. Just mm. I, I can show you if you've got half an hour. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, I'd have to go through it all for you, but yeah, it's it's. Yeah. I've done a video on it. I think it's about a forty-minute video. Yeah. Uh, okay. About yeah. it. Good. Good. Uh, now, just uh, you know, from your uh, experience working with the uh, Borough Council, 
yes. uh, on the executive committee. Uh, are there any sort of uh, golden nuggets that you can uh, share with people, especially around uh, planning and land and the property uh, opportunities yeah. from a council point of view, please? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So if you're looking at a council, um, people don't do this, by the way. A lot of people will, will go to the council and HMO letters for, for, for you know, HMO owners and that, uh, or empty properties. Now, the thing with the council is, um, well, there are several several points to look at. They will have uh, a delivery plan, so they will have like a 10-year plan, uh, which mm -hmm. is ongoing, by the way. It might be 20 years old now, but it's it was done 10 years before, and then, yeah, they keep updating it, and mm. it's very it's very important to have something like that. It's a develop it's a, it's their land supply, their development. So it's where they see development going. Um, so it's well worth looking at. You can get it off the local authorities' website. You can buy the um, hard. In fact, just bear with me. Bear with me. I'm, I'm not hearing you. Okay. It's easier for me to show you. Ah, good. That's Sorry. great. Right. So let's have a look. That is a. Oh, I don't know if you can see this. Yeah, so, we can. Local development document plan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. <laughs> so you might wow. not buy it, you know, but, but there is page after page after page after page. Right. Mm. But. That's there's that. There is they have a delivery. Where are we? Yeah, we can see that. Yeah, delivery plan. plan. They're investing in the town centre. And then finally, <laughs> you're not gonna like this either. Mm. But this is this is their spatial strategy job. Yeah. So they're all different, you know, but you can get spatial strategies. But these are I'm not suggesting you go and get all of them, but the thing about that is you can look at certain parts of the of the borough, the county, whatever it is, the, the district, mm -hmm. and it will help you identify. The, the good thing is it will also help you identify what they said no to. Now, oh, really okay. important because if they said no to a piece of land, they'll tell you why. But it doesn't mean that it's no forever. I see. As okay. they keep updating stuff, and there might it might be you might be five years or six years down the line. So we, I've got one. If I walk past it this morning, there's one here in, in Desborough. Um, I remember it coming to the town council. They wanted to build about 140 houses on this piece of land. Mm -hmm. uh, it was turned down. So absolutely not having it, and it was turned down. And about seven years later, it came back, and they got planning permission. Wow! And they've okay. built that. So, you know, that's a big one, but there are lots of little developments, little plots of land, you know, so when you're looking at that, it's definitely worth, I think it's worth looking at that. B, if it helps people, if you go onto your local authority uh, planning portal uh, and look at, they have weekly planning lists that go through, look at the weekly lists, have a look mm -hmm. at who's putting in plans for what, and you can see whether it's been passed, been refused, uh, and the reason I tell you, it's a bit of effort to do this, but the reason you do this is if you find, often, you will often find somebody's put in planning permission for a house to be built on the back of their land. And, mm. and they've been refused for something simple. And then yeah. that person's not bothered pursuing it. Now, you could go as, a, as a, an investor, like you could go 
to these people and approach them and say, look, come to an agreement with them. If I um, mm -hmm. get planning for this, you obviously want to charge yourself. But if I got it through and got planning, then mm -hmm. it's either a case of will you will you let me have it, buy it, buy it, whatever, or will you let me sell that for you and I take a percentage? Mm. So you're not really investing much than your time on it, but it's another way of, of making quite a nice lump sum. But you just have to know the intricacies of local authorities. You just need to go in and look at it. Yeah, I see. Um, what, what about in terms of uh, social housing provision of the uh, council and them getting rid of stock that they have? Okay, all, all councils will be desperately selling stock as we speak, I suspect, because you know, they all need the money. Yeah. Uh, there is a, they will all have a housing list of what they're selling. You'll have to speak to the uh, whoever is head of housing, um, mm -hmm. find out, and they'll, they'll often have a list, and they'll, uh, the, it, the list should be available on the local authority site. Um, and the you know, one I got, I got one for Northampton County Council, and that was... It's a grid list. It's like Excel, and it tells you, it gives you northwest by whatever. It gives you all this rubbish. But basically, it'll tell you what it is as well. Might be a piece of land, might be a church, might be a community centre. Yeah. Um, it'll tell you. So that, that's worth getting. They'll also tell you where they sell them. So, you know, and the reason I say you want to know that is sometimes they're sold at auction. Yeah. Sometimes they don't. They put them to a local commercial agent all right so okay. we're finding out where they're selling them hmm. okay okay yeah i see but uh, in any case they have to sell this to the open market yeah to get the it, best it, money you, it, you can't it, just contact yeah. someone in the council and you can yeah it, it has to go on the open market they have to be they have to be able to show the public if anybody comes back at them that they got best value for the building so it'll either be an auction or it'll be in a commercial. You can't go and buy it off them directly. Hmm. Um, what, what about uh, a stock that's uh, like empty housing in the borough? What, what, what tends to be the strategy for that? Because you get uh, people who either abandoned places, abandoned houses, probably yeah. people don't know who owned them and, you know, people, investors are looking to bring those to life. So yeah. Okay, so there's um, two... <laughs> So there's a couple of things, a couple of ways of looking at this. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, you can try and get hold of the owner. Now, now there are two ways, well, several ways of finding an owner, but but let's look at a couple of them for you. One is you could write to the local housing authority and ask mm -hmm. them, and they won't give you the name and address, but if mm -hmm. they have the details of the owner, they will pass letters on. So you can always uh, write them and say, I've got a letter for the owner, cannot trace your earning, would you send this to them? Now, mm -hmm. I'm sure some will say, no, we won't, but actually they can, they can do. Yeah. Um, you can also find who the owner is. Again, let me give you a couple of ways of doing that. One mm -hmm. is you can go on to, and should really go on land registry, yeah. where, where land registry keep all the details of who owns the land, etc. And it costs you £3. If you wanted everything, it costs you £9. But effectively, you can get just the, the, the land receipt deeds for three quid. And that usually gives you the name, and inserting the name and the address of the person. Now, um, the other way, uh, I suppose, the, not the, it's not, I say it's not cheap, it's probably going to cost you 50 quid or 100 pound, is to actually go to a tracing agent. Now, you can Google that, 
but you can get yourself yeah. like a private detective, really. And they yeah. have ways that, that none of us would know of finding people. So tracing yeah. is the way to go, and that and that way they will if the person's there, they'll find them. Mm. Uh, and then you know, obviously, you've got to pay that small fee for it. But now you've got the opportunity to go directly to the people. Mm. And uh, probably uh, you, you might be able to answer this, but is there is there such thing as um, you know where a cancer? Because some of uh, I've seen some houses where they've been abandoned and people have started dumping things on there, and uh, I don't know whether even the cancers themselves are not able to make contact with the owner. Yeah. Is is the cancer? Do they have powers to do like compulsory purchase or? Get okay. rid of this in well, some other way. Okay, so compulsory purchase uh, is not easy. Um, it can take upwards of three years to compulsory purchase anything because that's mm. the law and the way it goes. Mm. Uh, compulsory purchase doesn't mean you can get it cheap. You just get it at market value because mm. you can't be seen to make the person sell it to the, to you for nothing. Yes. Uh, you know, so there's various things about compulsory purchase that aren't good. Um, it, uh, if if they cannot get hold of the owner at all, then that is very yeah. hard. Uh, they don't. They do have a right to go on to a dangerous property. So if you've got a property like a mid terrace down a street and it's a real mess and tiles are coming off the roof and that, they do yeah. have a right um, to go in and fix the problem. And what they do is they then put a charge on the property so that when the owner comes to finally comes to uh, saying I own it or whatever or yeah. sell it or anything like that, they have to pay back the money that's the been answer. Yeah. Ah, I see. Okay. Very useful stuff. We've got a, a question here from Money. I'll just put it up here. Probably can see it. Oh, I need glasses now. Stop doing it. Yeah. This is reading glasses time. It's of age. <laughs> what your advice for anyone starting a rent-to-rent -rent HMO business given the current situation? Mm. Uh, okay, let's see if we can answer that for you. Um, if you want to start a rent-to-rent -rent HMO business, no problem, you can do that. Uh, you do need to get certain things covered, so that you'll need sort of insurances and that. Uh, set up your company. Um, how do you do it right now? And if you were starting your company right this second and you had got a property, uh, getting somebody in is difficult. It's not impossible. Um, I think hopefully, I'm, I'm hoping that lockdown's not going to be more than another two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, setting up the company and getting it going is going to take you that length of time, maybe a month anyway. The point is that, yes, you can do it. And I think if you if you do your research right, you definitely should do it because you haven't got the money to really get involved. The mm. the um, the only thing like the sort of uh, I can't think of the word now, but the, but from my point of view, I have to say that anyone that says to you rent to rent costs you nothing, you don't need any money. It's not right. So for for money and anyone else that's interested, you have to consider that you might take a rent to rent on that doesn't need any work doing, but mm. it probably needs furnishing. Okay, yeah. so you've got to have some money to furnish it. That's the first point. You've obviously got the insurances and you've got to start paying the bills. Now, if you do a rent to rent, you'll also, certainly a lot of landlords now do it through agents, you will have to pay a month up front and you will have to have a guarantor now. So these are all little hurdles you've got to get over. 
So my advice if you're doing it, Manny, or anybody else, and you haven't really got the money, is not wor- not to worry about it because everybody's got mm-hmm. money somewhere. So you might have a member of the family that's, if you think about it logically, has got five or six thousand pounds or maybe ten thousand pounds actually sat in a bank earning nothing now at all. Mm-hmm. So you could afford to give them an interest on it. Um, so my suggestion is you think about this. Uh, I definitely would worth doing, but think about how you're going to do it and who's got some money to get you going. Now, mm-hmm. they're going to want to know how you're going to pay them back. So here's the point. You need to do your figures so that you know you can afford to pay them back from the rent. Mm. So let me make it easy, figures. If you were bringing in £3,000 rent yourself, but you were paying £1,500 rent and bills out to your landlord, because effectively you are the tenant, uh, so you're making £1,500 profit, what you could do is say, uh, well, I can afford to pay you. you if you've lo- if they've loaned you 10000 you could say, I'll pay you um, the 10000 uh, It's at £1,000 plus that interest every month, and it takes you 11 months to pay them back. And b- because you're making 1500 you're still mm-hmm. making, you know, three or £400 every month yourself. But the vast yeah. majority is going back to paying the person back. The point mm. being that once you've paid them back, every month after that, you're now making £1,500. So that's yeah. what it's worth doing. But you must make sure you work out uh, how long it's going to take you um, mm. to pay back that money before you get anything and how long your uh, contract is. And I would highly recommend you do five-year contracts. If you do a three-year contract, you really don't want to pay much out. If you do a five-year contract, you can probably afford to pay, make no profit, for want of a better word, for the first 12 months. So mm-hmm. you work your figures out. Um, you know, there's no better time in many respects than this next month to start getting it together and getting ready to, to go. Okay. Mm. Oh, that's a uh, uh, great advice there. And I guess you have to factor in like voice periods as well, because even at times when you don't have tenants, you still have to pay out. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you have to factor in voids. Allow, allow 10% or even 15% for voids and that. Um, a word of advice, if you do this, there's some very crafty estate agents out there now. Uh, they're insisting on, on guarantors, but they're also, I, I had a contract to read the contracts I had a contract come through with my company uh, where the landlord wanted us to pay for, be responsible for the boiler and all plumbing issues from day one and to pay to have the whole house redecorated when we leave. Mm. Okay. Okay. And, I, and I, what I did, I, t- I turned around to my partner and said, just tell him no. Yeah. Paying for that and we're not taking responsibility. He's the landlord to me. To us, mm. he, he is our landlord. He is responsible mm. yeah. for tax. He sorry for the um, boiler and any of the, those issues. Not you. Mm. Mm. you go into rent, rent. Just make sure you look at these. And you, and if you're not happy with something on there, tell them you're not happy. This guy mm. still did the deal with us and took it out. Mm. It was trying it on. Yeah. 
because I mean, you, you tend to get all uh, those kind of terms in commercial ed, isn't it? Not uh, yeah. uh, residential. So. Yeah. Uh, so as we are uh, getting towards the uh, the end of the uh, the episode, just uh, quickly, I so saw earlier on you had a, an article about uh, how the rich structure their finances. Is that uh, one that you can take how us can through? Your finances. Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how to restructure your finances? I, I think it depends how we want to look at this because, um, mm. so so you can re if you already have a portfolio, there are several things you need to look at. If you already mm -hmm. have a portfolio, you need to be looking at um, your mortgages when you last took them out, uh, mm -hmm. and can you and should you be remortgaging? That's the first point, um, and you'll yeah. be surprised if you if you took a mortgage out several years ago, it's probably a very good time to be fixing that mortgage now and taking it out at the percentages they are now. And and you will have a – so I did this uh, last year, and I pulled a reasonable sum out, but I also had less to pay. I actually saved myself nearly £900 a month by oh, doing that's a lot. And, that's and a lot. I got out. So, yeah, so the answer is yes, definitely – if you have a portfolio, get looking at it. Um, what, what else can I cover on that? It's a bit of a hard one, is that? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I mean, on, on your uh, post that you put up, uh, I think you had about four points there, like invest their, you know, the rich, they invest their income into cash flowing assets. They use the cash flow to pay for their expenses, stop yeah. spending cash on pointless liabilities, and yeah. stay disciplined and spend only when their assets produce a spare yeah. income. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So here's, here's a good one for everybody. Uh, no matter where you are in the property world, um, we all earn money and we all spend more than we earn. So mm -hmm. make a note every day for a month of what you spend. Get all your monthly bills out and see how much you spend. All right. Mm -hmm. now, here's a good saving for you. This, this little thing that most of us have got one of these things, yeah, um, that costs me, by the way, um, nine pounds ninety-five pence a month, hmm. and I've got five gigabyte of data, unlimited text, unlimited everything. There you go. Let's oh, you can see that. <laughs> there, boys and girls, uh, follow me now. That's on. Yeah, Instagram. there you go. Yeah, it's on. Instagram. <laughs> I can't remember everything I put out there. Um, so, yeah, yeah so, so, you know, have a look, because you can save, I save 30 quid a month on that. You know, mm. it's, these are some of these are really simple things, but we're all in lockdown. Do you really need to be paying the amount of money you're paying out for Sky or Virgin? Why don't you get a free view, a free view recorder box? That costs you a couple of hundred quid, and now you're paying nothing monthly. Yeah. You know, lots of ways to say, when you start to look at it, because mm. you're not bothered, you don't realise. Check your direct yeah. The stuff that you're getting that you signed up for a year ago, years ago, that you never bother with. Mm. You them. So there's lots of little things like that. It's well worth spending a bit of time on your personal finances yeah. and even your own residential mortgage, and mm. you'll be amazed at what you can save. And, and the only other bit of advice is, as I always say to people, put at least 10% of what you earn away yeah. in a savings account. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that's great advice. We've uh, really covered quite a quite a, le a lot of our um, ground there. Yeah. Uh, so just the last few bits, for example. So, what would be your top three values? 
My top three values. Wow. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, actually, mine are honesty, integrity, mm-hmm. uh, family. There's three for you. Yeah. Uh, I think I, you know, I'm a firm believer. Um, you know that if you if you live your life by your values, it's a lot yeah. easier. Um, you don't get yourself stressed. You know, it, it's so much easier to live by your values. Yeah. And the reason so many people leave jobs and that is because they're not in the right job. Because the yeah. job isn't there. They're not following the values they've got. Mm. So, yeah, so if you want, go out and take a do a test on values. It doesn't cost you anything. Go and yeah. do, um, and you'll get you know, you'll get yourself plenty of stuff down there on values. Um, mm. This should help you. But you definitely, it's definitely worth doing and knowing what you what you're good at doing. Well, yeah, okay. Because you want to know what your values are. No, no, all. Mm. Oh, I don't want to be a multimillionaire. Mm. I don't, I'm not bothered about having a million quid sat in a bank account. I want my life. I only got one of them. I want to enjoy it, and everyone should enjoy it. The thing with property is it brings you that enjoyment. It gives you the time um, for you to respect what you like to do. That's mm. what property does for you. Yeah. So do something that you have passion for, something that you're passionate about. You know, because, uh, you know, everything is hard, but, you know, when it's something that you're passionate about, and the times when things are hard, you know, you can persevere and you still enjoy it, you know, which yeah. is uh, really good. So uh, to finish off, I guess, uh, um, where would uh, people looking for you, where can they find you? And also what is it that you offer uh, in uh, Mentors Inc. or you uh, personally? Okay. Well, thank you, thank you for, for giving me the plug. Uh, okay. So it, th- there are several things. I have the Facebook group. So that, that's um, Mentors Inc. Online with Mark Deering. That's a simple yeah. one. Mentors Inc. Online with Mark Deering. Uh, go ahead and join the group. There's lots of video stuff. I'm just put, It's fairly new. I'm just putting stuff on all the time. So there's, there's, you, you're, mm-hmm. you're about um, getting your zero email box down to zero. That's on there. There's lots of talk, how yeah. to letting out. There's tons of stuff on there. So that's one. Um, I do occasionally I do webinars. I'm doing. I am doing a webinar tomorrow night at seven thirty. Don't really want to bore everybody yeah. with webinars, by the way, because we're we're probably all webinar out. Um, but you're yeah. welcome on that. It's only really genuinely is only going to be thirty to forty minutes. Um, it's it's really based for a lot of new people. Is the webinar? So I'm going to go through that buying process. I'm going to go through putting stuff into you, into an investment pattern, what it should look like. And I'm going to go through the due diligence side and different ways of finding properties. So that's all going to be there. Uh, and, of yeah. course, any webinar, boys and girls, I'm going to sell mm-hmm. you something at the end. <laughs> <laughs> honest, I'm, not, I'm not the best salesman. It's, it really is. Mm-hmm. Just, all I've done is taken some of the, the online stuff, put it mm-hmm. together for people that are fairly new at property and want that support. Mm-hmm. It, it's there, and no, you're not paying hundreds and hundreds of pounds either. Mm. Um, yeah. so, so that's what, and you can get me on LinkedIn as well. Mm. And that's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, from, from the experience that you have, Mark, and all the content and detail you've shared today, I can see a lot of value in people actually, you know, taking taking you up on uh, all <clears throat> these things because it's all about risk, isn't it? If if people can cut down and minimize the risk of doing things just by, you know, latching on to someone experienced by, you know, like yourself, then that's going to be worth it. You know, Alex, people are, there are a couple of things, but people are terrified of losing money. Yeah, yeah. all fear factor. 
We, we, we fear losing money. We fear being yeah. caught out. Um, mm-hmm. you know, fear, the fear of loss of money is the biggest. Yeah. Out. And, and yeah, all I can say is I've had 18 years and I have never lost money on a property. Right? Okay. And that comes down to doing the due diligence and understanding yeah. the process and having the knowledge. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Mark, for coming on to talk to us. And I'm sure uh, if we have any uh, feedback or any inquiries, we'll direct them on to you. But uh, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for inviting me on. All right. Thank you.